You know, when I was growing up, <clears throat> I'm not grown up yet, but when I was earlier growing up, there was a general belief kind of among people that teachers and doctors and pastors and judges and scientists and journalists were right about most of the things that they said. They kind of had this authority. If they said something, we, we usually believed it. This was some time ago. There was kind of an automatic authority granted to these people. By the time I got a little older, people stopped granting them the same amount of authority. When the internet became widely used, people had more access to information themselves. And so they would kind of be able to test some of these things out for themselves. And society sort of started limiting the number of people that it was going to grant authority to. And then there was kind of this time for a little while where the only ones that really kind of got the authority were sort of the doctors and the scientists. Basically, if you had the white coat, you probably were unbiased. You probably were going to tell us the truth. Um, that's over. That's over. Now we are in an era, a new era of epistemology. We don't trust anybody. Now, if you haven't been to Acts Church uh, or you're new to Acts Church, you may never have heard the word epistemology. There's really no reason why you should have. Um, it's basically a fancy word, or as my friends from Tennessee, some of them are watching online, hey, Tennessee, uh, would call it, they call it a $5 word. That's a $5 word, you know. Pissed them off. Pissed them what? They did what? Um, so they, they... It's been a long service. Um, it means the study of knowledge. How we know things. Epistemology, that's what it means. Study of knowledge. And the epistemology, the epistemological place where we are right now is we don't trust anybody for good reason. For good reason. Over time, we've gone through different phases in society. We've had a number of them. We've called them things like pre-modernism, modernism, post-modernism, post-post-modernism. We call them a lot of things. If you want to know more about that, I don't have time for that this morning. You can go back and watch some of our skeptic series that we've done in the past, and I talk all about those things if you want to learn about that. But each of these eras had sort of a different method for deciding what counted as knowledge, what was true. We're now in an era that some people are calling post-Christian, post-truth. Now, all this is important to understand for you, whether you've come today and you're just kind of checking it out, you're a skeptic, you're like, I don't know about this Jesus thing, that's nah, a little strange, these people are a little weird. You're right, we are, in a good way. By the way, Jeff Joubert gave me this shirt because my other one was wet. Thanks, Jeff. He's still doing the Dracar thing, I think. Um, a good-looking guy. By the way, I'm not wearing an undershirt, Jeff, so, you know. It was wet also, okay? So I may start to... Anyway, getting off the rails here. Epistemology, epistemology, where were we? Okay. Um, it's important to you, whether you're a Christ follower or not, to understand this, because you need to understand that you have a worldview, a meta-narrative, a big story about the way that things happen. It's kind of like the lenses through which you see the world. If you've ever uh, been around somebody who's got glasses, the thicker the better, and you've put them on, and it's like, whoa, everything looks different. It's like that. If you have a bad worldview, it's like wearing prescription glasses that were made for somebody else. Everything doesn't look quite right. When I do that, it kind of makes me sick. And some of your worldviews make me a little sick. You know, not you, the world, some of you. Um, <laughs> it will. It really, the way that you think 
The way that you think affects the way that you will interpret information, what you will believe is knowledge, what you will believe is not knowledge, what you will believe is truth, and what you will believe is not true. Trust me and believe each one of you is carrying around a set of lenses that you don't even, when you're wearing glasses long enough, you don't realize they're there anymore. That's how it works. And how does that worldview get built? It doesn't get built intentionally usually. You catch it like a cold, okay? It just happens. You pick it up. You pick it up. How did you learn English? You just picked it up, right? You pick it up over time. You just kind of learn it. Now, maybe the particular commas and stuff, which I still haven't figured that out, you have to learn. But how to speak English? You just pick it up. Your worldview, you just pick it up. You just pick it up. And it really affects you. Christians are a people of truth. We are a people of truth. We follow Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. By the way, they stole like half my sermon. I'm still doing it, so. (laughs) And when Jesus was betrayed and arrested, they took him before a guy named Pilate. Pilate, not like an airline pilot, like buff, like P-I-L-A-T-E. Don't know where that came from, but that's, that's, he was the governor, kind of the official Roman guy. In Jerusalem, they bring him to him because they want permission to kill Jesus. So, so Jesus has this exchange with Pilate. It says this, John 18, 37 through 38a. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I'm a king. Man, I would, have been, I would have loved to be there to hear those words come out of his mouth. Yeah, I'm a king. Better believe it. Better believe it. He says, for this cause I was born. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what so many people say today, what is truth? Because there's nothing new under the sun. The Romans, they got a hundred gods. They're just totally vile people doing vile things. And, they, and they've got a worldview, and they've had to justify all this. And by this time, in, in this place, Pilate's sitting here and going, you're talking about truth. What's truth? You can hear that in any coffee shop down the street now. What is truth? Jesus Christ came into the world to bear witness to the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father unless they come through him. He tells us in John 14, 6, There's no other way. What is truth? Always lead to, nope. Always lead to someplace pretty hot. One way leads to Jesus. One way leads to the Father. One way leads to heaven. For truth is fallen in the street, says the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus. And for the fallen world, the truth is still laying in the street, fallen. You got to recognize that. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. We as Christ followers do not live or think as the fallen world lives and thinks. But we have the mind of Christ, writes the Apostle Paul. We have the mind of Christ, and those of us who are Christ followers, who have the Holy Spirit, you have the mind of Christ. Who's Christ? The truth. That's what you have. 
The mind of truth, we love truth, we seek it. We want understanding, we want wisdom. And more and more we realize that in the world, the truth is hard to find. Hard to find. We've been in a series called White Lies. We've been studying many of the lies that are being told in the world today. Some by unbelievers, some by people who call themselves Christians. Today, Lord willing, we're going to study how to know the difference between lies and the truth. How do you know in general? Let's pray as we kind of get started here. Father, I just pray that you'd open up your word to us, that we'd know you more. Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. Father, you have a will for us. We want to find it. Jesus, you have given us everything. You've given us communion with the Father, and you've given us your Holy Spirit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch hearts today and bring us closer to the truth. Amen. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. Now, Paul's writing this. We're talking about guys like Nero and Caligula, okay? Peaceable and quiet lives weren't always there for those Christians, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, let me ask you something. Who will testify to the truth if not us, the body of Christ? There's no one else that can. There's no one else that can. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he, this is the Holy Spirit, may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Jesus Christ has given us the Holy Spirit. He has clearly told us that the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of truth. He's also told us the world does not see him, does not know him, cannot have him. So the responsibility falls to us to testify to the truth in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're the only ones who can. They don't get it. They can't get it. You have to understand. You're like, why are they like this? Why are they like this? They can't get it. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Don't ask yourself questions like, why do lost people act like lost people? Lost people are lost people. It's a tautology. It's obviously true. The only way they're going to know anything is if you testify to the truth. Salt and light. That's who you have to be. This is fundamental. You have to understand you are important. You're important, Christ follower. You have a mission, Christ follower. A mission. We've been given the great commission. It's on the wall outside. And it's all about testifying to the truth. What is it? Well, I'm going to read it. Because I do all the time. I don't want you to forget. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And here's where he does it. I've got all the authority and he's going to go, boom, here's some. I've got, I've got it. I'm going to give you some. I'm going to seal you for it. I'm going to send you on it. Here's the mission. Go. That's the opposite of sit or stay or sleep or play video games. 
Listen up, young men. I ain't playing. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. You worried about it? I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's now, by the way. Amen. Making disciples of Christ, which is what we're called to do, means testifying to the truth of the gospel, the good news, the amazing, wonderful news that Jesus Christ has come to set people free. You can be free from your sin. If you're not a Christ follower today, you walked in here and you're going, there's a lot of stuff going on and this is lasting a long time and I don't know what I think. Let me tell you something. I've got the best news you've ever heard. You can be free. You don't have to live in guilt, shame, because you know what? We know you're a sinner. We all are. And Christ has come to set us free. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, his grace and his mercy are waiting for you. 1 John 1, 8 through 9, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You, you don't think you've sinned? You're lying to yourself. You got some bad lenses on. You're deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in us which would be the Holy Spirit isn't in us if we think we haven't sinned. How could he be? We gotta know you've sinned to ask for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and to follow him. It says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All of it. For me, that's the greatest news I have ever heard. It is the reason that I'm standing here before you, and I don't just mean as a pastor, I mean alive. Because I was buried in my shame and my sin. Buried in it. And he set me free. That's the truth. That's the truth that will set you free. Live it, breathe it, testify to it, preach it, make disciples for Jesus Christ. And then baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's part of the Great Commission. Did you know that today... You who are part of the body of Christ, every one of you, the scripture is clear, not one of you is unimportant to the work of the church. That means when the church baptizes 21 people in the last few weeks, you are fulfilling the great commission. You did it today. You did it today. You got to be part of it. Those of you who were baptized in it, those of you who are part of the church that baptized them, that called them into the community, you're living it. What's life worth? What's my purpose? You're living it. This is it. This is the real thing. Come on, baby. This is good stuff, right? You're living it. The Great Commission. This is your legacy eternally. It's pretty amazing. We're together fulfilling our mission in this world this morning, every morning, every day. And we teach the truth. All that Jesus Christ, our Lord, the King of Kings, has commanded us, we're teaching. That's the Great Commission. How do we teach truth? Got to have the Holy Spirit. Got to know it to teach it. Got to read it. Got to work. Can't do that sitting around. Can't do that. If this is all you do, no offense. No, I don't care if you're offended. You already know that, so. <laughs> Look, we teach the truth. We don't apologize for it. We don't candy coat it. We don't hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. 
We teach it, we live it, we desire it. First for ourselves. We don't be hypocrites. Got to get that log out of your eye before you start going and getting that splinter out of somebody else's. But we live it. We live it. Truth. We bathe in it. We live in it. We live in the truth of Christ. I have chosen the way of truth, says the psalmist, Psalm 119, 30a. We choose to live in truth, and it has to be a choice every day. Holy Spirit's in you. Holy Spirit's in you. Live in him. Choose. Get up. Hey, I want to live in truth. I got the Holy Spirit. I want to live in truth. I, ch- I have chosen the way of truth, and we reap the blessings of a life lived in truth. Let me just tell you, because I was a liar. I know what that's like. You know when you've told a lie, and you're just kind of waiting for it to catch up with you? Like, no, we've never lied. Well, let me tell you about it then, just in case this ever happens to you. You ever told a lie, and you're waiting for it to catch up? It's not a fun feeling. It's going to get in the way of enjoying life. You know the easiest life to live? In terms of that, tell the truth all the time. Tell the truth all the time because we're people of truth. Expect it from others with grace, with forgiveness. Speak the truth and live the truth. You're not going to lose as much sleep. I spoke with a, a dear sister in Christ this week, and she was just expressing her desire to live for Jesus. And this is a woman who has given up for Jesus more than most of us will probably ever be called to. And I just cannot tell you that seeing that because she loves Jesus and because she knows the truth, that she wants to follow him in the way of righteousness and truth, I cannot tell you what that does to me as someone who's serving you all. It is, it's beyond words. I can't even speak of it. It's a feeling, it's a spiritual, emotional ball of fire when I see people serving Christ, loving him, living in truth. God is working. I have never seen God work like he's working right now. Yeah, amen. As we approach the end of the age, as we do the real thing and the right thing, you know what that means? That means that for all of us, there's going to be a little sharpening that's going to have to happen. Y'all have some burrs and some rough spots, and so do I. We're going to have to get tougher. We're going to have to spare the water bottle, as C.S. Lewis says. We're going to have to get tough. But he's working, and Satan can't stand against us. Cannot stand against us. But out in the world, truth is nowhere to be found. Don't bother. Each of the pillars of knowledge in society has fallen down, and it's been a disaster fallen down hard. Those who we once believed have taken advantage of the fact that they had a position that we generally believed, that college professor, that scientist, that politician, we probably never believed them, but whoever it was, right? They've taken advantage of their position, used their authority that they had to tell us lies, and we have now said, we reject it all. Everybody has. Everybody has. Knowledge has come tumbling down. Truth has fallen in the streets. Teachers, pastors, judges, and journalists, they've all become liars. Not every one of them, by the way. It's like a bunch of teachers and pastors in this room at least. Not every one of them. 
But even the crew in the white coats, right? The scientists and the doctors, they are full of it half the time. We can barely believe anything they say. And we're left trying to find sources of truth when it's fallen down in the street. Look, the world's facing wars, diseases, natural disasters, all the signs of the end of the age. And those who should be helping, they're helping themselves. They seek money or power or fame, and they'll lie to get any of it. We have become completely divided as a nation. And I'm speaking to those of you in the U.S. right now. I know we have some people that watch from Honduras and other places. I'm sure everything's fine there. Here, <laughs> I've been there. Everything's not fine. I don't know. Argentina, how are we doing? Is there, no, not good. Not good. Okay. Good. You got the Pope, though, right? Didn't he come from there? We, we don't do that. We don't do the Pope thing. Don't even send me an email. Okay. Listen, <laughs> I don't need that. We've become completely divided as a nation. Each half of the country right now wants to force the other half to live by their terms. And each half believes it's only the other half that's actually doing that. You're like, wait a second, I'm one of those halves. Don't be. Don't be. We've had an intense tribalism come up. And the base of each, each tribe, kind of the, the ones that are really pushing, the loud ones in each tribe seem to be tremendously willing to lie or to believe lies or to ignore lies in order to be on the team for the tribe. In the midst of that, we live as the people of truth. We have only one tribe. We have only one tribe, one family, one body. We are followers of Jesus Christ. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, you can clap for Jesus for sure. As these tribes increase, as their anger and fear increase, we are becoming more and more separate and obviously separate from all the other tribes of the world. We're actually shining forth as unique as it always should have been. This is what we have always been supposed to be, called out, separate, we went a little wrong when we started wanting to kind of fit in with the world. Kind of, if the world will be enough like this, then we'll just kind of go, get along and go along. Christianity is not that kind of a religion, people. It's a fighting religion. Y'all are warriors. Y'all are soldiers. I thought I told you. It's from a rap song I used to like. Don't listen to it. It's got a lot of cussing in it. Listen, oh my gosh, you listen to cussing? Yeah, get over it. Listen, <laughs> it was a long time ago. <laughs> People, turn off my email, Susan, please. Um, God did this with the Israelites, our forebears. Made them separate. We're supposed to be separate from the world. And when the real thing happens, when we live out the real faith, the real life, the real peace, the real hope, the real joy of a Christ follower, guess what happens? 21 people get baptized in this month. That's what happens. That's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens. Jesus Christ will be seen in his church above the muck and the mire and the lies of the world if we will stay separate, unique, different. You don't need to buddy up with liars on any side of any issue. 
in order to get something you want and compromise who you are. What happens when we get caught up in the tribalism of the world? What happens when instead of trusting God, we look to men and women to save us? I've seen believers, believers who I love. Nobody here, I'm talking back in the day. I used to go to a university, I'm not going to name it. It's Liberty University. And (laughs) there was a time years ago when I saw some things happening among leadership where it became very clear, very clear, that the goals of the kingdom were getting real tied up with the goals of the world and the means that people were willing to use to do kingdom goals. They wanted to see people saved. They wanted good things to happen, but they were willing to use unrighteous means to get there. And I'm not naming any names, but you can read. Go read a newspaper, okay? Things, things have happened because people align themselves with the world to get what they want. What happens when we become more focused? And this is going to hit some of us, okay? So just get ready for it. Get kind of, here we go. Ready? What happens when we become more focused on whether someone should wear a mask or not or take a vaccine or not than whether people are going to hell? What happens when that happens? What happens when one side of Christianity joins up with the wokeness of the political left and becomes progressive Christians, which aren't even Christians, and one side joins up with the wokeness of the political right and becomes legalistic, pharisaical, and dominionist? And if you don't know what dominionism is, it's a bunch of people out there who are saying they're Christians who literally want to bring back ancient Israel to this country and make it a Christian nation where we force everybody to be Christians. That's Islamic, not Christian, just by the way, in case you're wondering. That's never been what we do. Paul didn't say, let's storm the castle and take out Nero and we'll get swords and we'll make everybody be a Christian. That's Muhammad stuff, not Christ stuff. What happens when one set of Christians starts budding it up to those who support the murder of innocent children in the womb? Because they believe that those people might better care for the poor and oppressed. And another group of Christians buddy up to liars and bullies and perverts who degrade and denigrate people for political ends because they believe those people might bring an end to abortion or bring back prayer in schools or some other thing. Everybody offended yet? Should be. Listen. This is important. These political tribes are full of liars and worldly men and women who do not follow Christ or his truth. That is the fact. I've been watching it my whole life, and so have you. You should vote. Go vote. Go advocate for justice and righteousness. But for the sake of your witness in Christ Jesus, do not join their tribes. Do not be connected to them. Christ's followers don't compromise the truth, period. Carry this with you. Christ's followers do not compromise the truth. We do not compromise. We do not lie to get what we want because we think what we want is a good thing. Nor do we look the other way while other people lie and make excuses for them because they want to get what we think we want. How has it worked out, by the way? Millions of babies are still being killed in this country every year, and we've had 25 years of Republicans in the last 40 years, all of whom have promised us the end to this. You know how the end of it's going to come? When we can start getting into people's hearts with the truth so they don't show up to kill their babies. You can't do this by legislating your Christianity on people. It doesn't work, and and it's not happening. 
So we better get serious about who we are and how we're separate. I know some of you are like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Okay, I don't either. I'm just trying to tell you what I think is true. We have integrity because we are the body of Christ, because we have the truth, because we have the Holy Spirit. We represent Christ and truth in this world. We must not stain the witness of Christ by compromising. Be careful how closely you align yourself with the Clintons and the Obamas and the Bidens and the Trumps and the whatever and the whatever and the whatever and the whatever of this world. Be careful, please. Because when the unbeliever looks at you, they're looking to see what it looks like to be a Christ follower. They're looking to see what his church looks like. And if you're making excuses for every person coming and going because you think they're going to give you what you want... It makes a difference, guys. You can disagree with me. Everyone is entitled to be wrong. I'm kidding. kidding. Just seeing how mad I can get you. It's a long service, and I'm just trying to boil it up a little bit. Listen, (laughs) we got to call out unrighteousness, even if that unrighteousness might get us to the end we want. Okay? King Asa was a good king in Judah for most of his life. It's a good king. He's doing the right thing. He's bringing back the temple sacrifices, getting rid of the, the idols and all that kind of stuff. And, and so Egypt comes, and they got a million dudes and like hundreds of chariots, and they're like, we're going to beat you up. And King Asa is like, uh, that's not good. What do we do? Let's ask God. Let's trust God. Let's rely on God. So he did, and the Egyptians got their bottoms kicked. And, and Judah was saved, and they chased them out, taking cities and the whole thing. Later in his life... He got more practical. No longer was he having a problem with maybe compromising a little or coming up with his own way to do things. And so the kingdom of Israel, who they were doing all kinds of wicked stuff, comes up against the kingdom of Judah. You know, the kingdoms had split. And they're going to fight him. And instead of King Asa going, I rely on God, he took care of the million Egyptians. He'd probably take care of Israel, who's attacking us too. Instead of doing that, you know what he did? He sent money to the king of Syria. Silver and gold. Here you go. Come save us. And for the rest of his life, he had wars. Because God wasn't down with that. This is what he was told by the seer in 2 Chronicles 16. This is verse 9, the first part of the verse. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Listen to this. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking to step in for you. Be careful about saying, no, no, I'm pretty sure this person can do it for me. I'm pretty sure that person can accomplish God's will. When he's like, hey, I'm looking to come in and do a miracle in your life. And you go, but maybe I can do it this way. I'll come to you if nothing else works out. God It's looking to and fro on the earth to show himself strong to those who trust him. He is big enough. God is big enough. You don't have to compromise truth or your witness. You're to testify to the truth. You're to live out the truth. We're not to become companions and connected to and stained by liars 
and power-hungry people and politicians and whoever. That just happens to be the one that seems the most popular these days. They don't do the Lord's work. The Lord does the Lord's work. And he's going to do it through you, his church. He always has. You want to see people, you want to see babies not get killed? Me too. Like you wouldn't believe. You know how I'm going to do it? One day at a time, I'm going to speak the truth. You're going to speak the truth. And young mothers who end up in a bad situation are going to go, I know it's true. And they're not going to show up. That's what's going to happen. Now, do I hope the Supreme Court does what's right and overturns abortion this next term? Of course. Of course I do. But my faith isn't in those people, nine people in black robes, all of whom went to like Harvard and Yale and don't know anything about what it's like to live like the rest of us. We're going to put our faith in them when I've got a God who took out a million Egyptians who split the Red Sea and who saved me. And I'm going to go, no, these guys over here, they look, they look pretty smart. They'll take care of it. They've done so great so far. <laughs> They're the ones who did it in the first place. But sure, they're going to take care of it. Come on, guys. Where's our faith? Who are we relying on? We are people of truth. We testify to the truth and trust in the Lord. We rely on God, and God wins the victory. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked for the people of God. That's how it's going to work until he comes back. Soon, hopefully. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I hate the lies and the perversion and the sinfulness I do of the world. Trust me. I hate what it's done to me. I hate what it's done to those who I love. I love what God has done with his grace and mercy. But I'm going to speak against all of it, and I'm not going to compromise, and you shouldn't either. And by the way, I'm not remotely suggesting you might not be called into some of these areas. Of course, you should be actively trying to deal with these things. You should be speaking the truth. Maybe you're called to be a politician. I'm sorry if that's you. That's a bummer. Like... But God knows we need good men and women in every aspect of society. So if he's calling you to that, fine. But if he's not, maybe spend less time thinking about it when your neighbor is going to hell. All right, I got to rock through this. It's already 12 o'clock. You guys are mad. I can tell. <laughs> That's mostly my fault. I'm just saying we can't be tribal other than the one tribe that we're a part of, the kingdom of God. We're aliens here in this world. As Christ followers, we have to see every person, not as an enemy, not as the member of another tribe, but you know what we see them as? Someone who Christ loves and desires, as we read, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what we see them as, and we love them. So let's think about how to avoid lies and liars. I'm going to rock through this as quick as I can, okay? Um, and when I say quick as I can, you know I can't go that quick. So first, first thing, you want to know truth? Pray. Pray. Pray that God will give you wisdom, insight, and discernment. Pray that Christ will implant his truth in you. That the Holy Spirit will give you the ability so to see lies easily. I've noticed the longer I'm in Christ, the easier it is to spot them. I can see them from further and further away. Second, please learn what a good source looks like. Learn what a good source looks like. If it contradicts scripture, easy, it's a lie. Okay? Easy. How do I know that? Because Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. God verified his word when he raised Jesus from the dead. That's it. So if it's contradicting scripture, it's a lie. You don't have to think about it anymore. 
That's an easy one, okay? Don't be like, but maybe Scripture's wrong, or I can interpret it this way. Don't go down that road, the progressive Christian road. That ends in nonsense, as we've talked about already. Ask yourself some questions when you see a video or read an article, okay? Here's some questions that I think are good. Where did this come from? Is this person known to be truthful, this author? Does this person mention any other reputable sources? What does this person gain from giving this information? Does the title of this article suggest it's an unbiased, thoughtful piece? Or does it say something like, so-and-so owns another libtard? Okay, because if that's the title of the video, you're probably not getting the best information. What you're getting and what most stuff that's out there is, is entertainment, not knowledge. Most of these people who are on the internet, who are giving you stuff now, you have to understand this, and you know this to be true. That's how they make a living. The better that they can get you to look at their stuff and click onto it, the more likely you are to see the ad that makes them money. That's the way it works. Be careful about people who are driven primarily by that. Doesn't mean they're always wrong, just be careful. Then ask yourself, are there sources that contradict this information? Are the authors of those sources truthful and reputable? Can I verify any of this myself? If we did that, I think we'd see a lot less of the kinds of posts that you all are familiar with that aren't true, but that you think are true. Be careful with your sources. Third, this is a really important one. Run it by one or more people who you know to be good at discerning truth and thinking well. Notice that I did not say run it by one or more people who agree with you on everything that you think. Don't do that. Don't run it by people who are sure to agree with you. We're all subject to things like finding information that repeats back to us what we want to hear. All of us are subject to that. We're people. We're humans. Find trustworthy brothers or sisters in Christ because they're the only people who have the Holy Spirit and the truth who will challenge the information for trustworthiness and truthfulness so that you know that as you start to believe things, that the things you believe are likely to be true. Remember, you're trying to build those goggles that you're looking through in your worldview with truth. You need help in that. Number four, do not assume that you know more than you do. This is a problem for some people. It's been a problem for me in my life before. Romans 12, three. For I say through the grace given to me, Okay, which means probably he had this problem and grace had to be given to him, right? I don't know. I'll ask him. Um, not right now, when I die. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Learning truth takes humility. You cannot do it without humility. You have to believe that other people might know something that you don't know in order to learn anything. We're humble before God. We're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit who's going to lead us into all truth. That's a humble practice. Try to know how many things you don't know. Most of the things in the world, newsflash to some people, you don't know. Because there's a lot of things to know. God made the body of Christ to be diverse, different gifts, different things that you know, different things that he knows, different things that she knows, and it works together. You don't know everything. If you have a hard time saying, and you just ask yourself this question, do I have a hard time saying, I don't know? Do I usually try to at least find something I can say about it and whatever? Do I have a hard time saying, I don't know? If you do, you probably think of yourself more highly than you ought. Deal with it. All right. Knowing a lot, by the way, is not what makes you valuable or important. Knowing Christ is the most important thing. Okay? Number five, do not be emotionally driven. Do not be emotionally driven. People rarely make good decisions when they're emotional. When you're trying to discern what's true and what's not, if you're emotional, you're not going to be as good at it. 
particularly when those emotions are anger or fear. And by the way, purveyors of falsehoods often play on anger and fear. You've seen it in the mainstream media, right? They want to lie to you. They're likely going to start by trying to trigger your anger or your fear. By the way, other parts of the media do that too. But they know if you do that, you're less likely to think critically about what you're being told. James 1, 19 through 20. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Listen. Put our listening ears on. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You're not going to be doing righteous things and thinking righteous things if you're angry all the time. Be careful about emotions. We're easily offended, right? For instance, the other day, Glenn Cook, he got super offended when I used the word puke. But here's the thing. That's what his dinner tasted like. That's a Jack Candy from Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys recognize that. One of the best jokes ever. All right. I'm kidding. Glenn's never made me dinner. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah. His last name's Cook, and he doesn't. So uh, do not find sources of information that are designed primarily to create anger or fear. Don't do it. That's how propagandists have gotten people to believe horrible things and do unrighteous things. Okay? That's how they've gotten people to do atrocity is they get them to fear some other group, some other thing. They wind them up. They're no longer thinking critically about what's true. All right, we're almost done. Number six. This might be the most important one for some of us, for most of us. I know lots of people, by the way. It comes with my calling. And I've seen this in a lot of people. Do not be distracted from the mission. You don't need to be involved in everything. I know Christ followers who are very passionate about, say, politics, for instance. On both sides, by the way. Very passionate. They, they like this candidate. That one likes that candidate. Uh, okay, I get it. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying there are Christians who believe both, both sides. I admire the passion. I really do. These people are often built to be strong warriors of Christ. That's why they're passionate. Okay? That's a good thing. We should all be strong warriors of Christ. But to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. This is the problem. What I mean by that is that to a warrior, sometimes no fight is a bad fight. Right? If you're a warrior, sometimes maybe you're looking for a fight. The question is, is it your fight? Warriors are going to warrior, right? That's how they're going to roll. That's who they were made to be. But God has battles already identified for you to fight. We're not called to fight against people, remember, but against darkness. We're bringing truth into darkness. If you've started to hate people who believe certain things or who advocate for certain things, if you've started to look at people, certain people as your enemies, you've let that warrior instinct go too far because we certainly haven't been called to that. Love your enemies. If they're your enemies, all the more you're called to love them. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who persecute you. No room for it. You're fighting darkness, not people. Your battle is against the powers of darkness in the power of the Holy Spirit. You've already won. We're already more than conquerors, okay? Yeah. So be careful about getting distracted. If you've spent more time in the past several months and years focused on whatever the political issue is of the day, then you have spent on your knees praying for your neighbor 
who's struggling with alcoholism, who's struggling because they can't pay the rent, who's struggling because they don't know Jesus and you've spent more time worrying about these other things, you're distracted because the mission's out on the wall. The goal is clear. Sometimes it doesn't matter if something you read on the internet is true or false or makes you mad because it's not your fight. Be careful. Focus on the mission. Do not be distracted by shiny things along the way because we need you, all of you, all of you. We have enough to do without finding every place where we can disagree or even every place where we can be right. There's a lot of places where you can be right, but you don't need to. We need to focus on the fact that people are walking lives walking through their lives as spiritually dead and going to hell, and they need Jesus. All right, I've got one more. We gotta go, it's 12-11, I'm sorry, guys. I'm not sorry, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end. Be careful, I'm just gonna say this pretty quickly. Be careful about censorship. I know there's a lot of people, there's a big movement right now to get people to fight against the public schools. Now, should you fight against public schools? Probably. They're dens of wickedness, okay? But be careful in that fight of finding things. The big thing now is like critical race theory, right? Or sex education. And we want to storm the, the uh, whatever you call it, uh, school board? We'll call them a school board. We want to storm the, storm the school board meeting and you know, rip off everyone's masks and tell them that they can't do this and do the, fine. But here's the thing, that battle is lost. It's over. It's been over. It was over when I was in school. And if the way you want to win the battle is to start censoring what people can say, I'm just going to tell you something because this is the benefit of you having a lawyer for a pastor. It's not many benefits, but you have this one. (laughs) You go in there And we start censoring, saying, you can't teach this, you can't teach that, you can't do that. That is censorship, whatever you want to call it. It's censorship. When we do that, we take the First Amendment of the Constitution, and we start to grind it up a little bit. And if the church ends up, you've got to be, we got to be smart. We're supposed to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. We're supposed to be smart, strategic. If we go in and start censoring, I can tell you what happens next. Because you probably can't see it because you're angry. You're frustrated. They're teaching falsehood. Yeah, they've been doing it for a really long time. If you go in and you censor and the First Amendment gets crushed a little bit, I can tell you that the long end of that is that the world will come back and go, oh, censorship? Oh, the First Amendment's no longer valuable? And the next thing you know, we're not going to be in this building. We're going to be worshiping somewhere in secret in some place somewhere, waiting for the government to come arrest us all. Because once you grind the First Amendment a little bit, you grind it all the way down. The First Amendment is there so that people can say things that you don't like. Just so you understand. Do it if you want to do it. But I'm just telling you, I've, I've studied a lot of constitutional law. I've studied the Supreme Court for years. I understand these things, and I can tell you that it's a bad play. It's a bad play for us to go in and start trying to censor what the, the government is doing or what anyone is doing. We want to be able to speak what we, what we say is true here. They're going to speak what they think is true there. And if you get, them to, if you, if you get the rules to say they can't do it, they're going to do it anyway. Okay? Don't fight battles. Don't fight battles that are going to take massive amounts of time and at the end are going to be a Pyrrhic victory. Pyrrhic victory meaning it wasn't worth a fight. Be careful, please. Be smart. Put your kids at Cornerstone. They're going to teach that there. Right? Okay.
Listen, I don't want to get too far off on all that. The, the important thing here is that we're people of truth. We're going to seek truth. We're going to live truth. We're going to know truth. We're going to know more and more truth. We're not going to be friends with the world, okay? James 4.4, 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Later in the book of James, he says, therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord soon. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Listen, brothers and sisters, I love you. I love you. Let's live in truth together, but let's be patient. And remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's his truth. You don't have to agree with me about everything I say, okay? You may say, no, you know what? I feel like I'm really called into this fight. Fine, do, do that if that's what God's calling you to do. I'm not telling you not to do what God's calling you to do. I'm just telling you what I've seen. I've seen a distracted church, and the more that I see the church focus, the more people I see saved and baptized and moving forward. So let's minimally, let's stay focused, and let's stay truthful, and let's not stain our witness with lies. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for everything that you've done. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for letting people wait, not quite as long as the movie Titanic, but a pretty long time to hear your word. God, we love you. Thank you for this service today that we've gotten to do so much. I pray you'd go out with every one of these people this week. I pray that if we have offenses, and I offend myself, as you well know, Lord, <laughs> with most of my sermons that come at me first, because you're working on me. Seriously, Lord. Forgive Daniel for his <laughs> stuff. God, I just pray you would, you would be with us. Thank you for laughter. Thank you for fun. Thank you for joy. God, being a Christian is a blast. And I thank you for it. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen.